97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Hey, glad you're back with us here on this uh, Tuesday morning. A little bit of a moisture falling outside and um, causing a few issues across the area, I'm sure to the north, uh, more so than anybody in the uh, downtown area or south of Interstate 70 for sure. But it's a rainy morning. Be careful out there. Sue Thomas will be along with your, I'm sure, growing list of traffic problems uh, here shortly. Stay tuned for that. Mark Cox in here this morning along with Kim St. Ange, Carl Middleman, uh, and uh, we've got uh, a good hour here for you. Jared Halpern coming up with more on alarms being raised over the fact that the guy who's number six in line to run the country in the order of succession was in the hospital in an intensive care and nobody knew it in the middle of a couple of wars going on around the world and constant national security threats. The sec def was sick uh, and, and checked out apparently and, and not even the president knew it. So we're going to cover that with Jared Halpern coming up here about 820 and what the fallout might be from that amid calls for him to be fired. And Adam Schnelting is going to join me at the bottom of the hour. Of course, uh, he is a, a state representative and he is introducing legislation today that if you would allow you as a concealed carry holder to carry your weapon on mass transit, where a lot of people won't go but out of fear for their security. And we'll see where that goes. It's it's had some success, but has yet to pass the legislature in the past. And he is going to introduce it again today in the House. We'll talk to him at about 835. Right now, though, I want to get to this morning's top stories in the shortlist. The Mark Cox Shortlist. Where are we in this? You know, where are our hearts? What's going to happen in this next election? I am terrified about what could possibly happen. Michelle Obama is concerned about the future of democracy because her husband is no longer president. This isn't fair. Yeah, or or won't be after Joe's out of office. In our time, there's still the old ghost of new new garments. We all need to rise to meet the moment. Have you ever risen to meet a new garment, Kim? (laughs) That's what Joe Biden wants you to do. I just—I don't even know what to say about that. You know, the biggest lie from Anthony Fauci was that uh, the United States government, and with his approval, did not fund gain-of-function research in Wuhan. Yeah, Rand Paul says millions of people died because of this uh, mistake that they made, and nobody wants to face up to it. Fauci's back before uh, the Senate this week to answer some more questions. Just to be very clear, I don't hear you committed to certifying the election results. Will you only commit to certify the results if, if former President Trump wins? If they, Does that mean if former President Trump no, wins? No, it means if they are constitutional. Well, yeah, Elise Stefanik, you know, I, I had um, this uh, this soundbite yesterday, and the, the day got away from me, and I didn't get an opportunity to play this. If you didn't get to watch uh, Meet the Depressed uh, with um, Kristen Welker, who obviously moderate, has moderated debates and everything on the national stage. Uh, it was unbelievable what where they've started to box people in. Remember last year, they, are you going to agree to the outcome of the election? Well, the election hasn't been held yet. How do I know if I'm going to agree that it was a fair election or not if it hasn't been held yet? So, so Stefanik uh, just absolutely mixed it up with her yesterday regarding, I should say on Sunday, regarding... January 6th and a lot of these things and I didn't get a chance to play it and I wanted you to hear this because I I thought it was an important discussion. 
Just this weekend, he referred to some of those who are serving time for having stormed the Capitol as, quote, hostages. Do you still feel as though that day was tragic and that those who were responsible should be held responsible to the fullest extent of the law? Well, first of all, Kristen, as typical for NBC and the biased media, you played one excerpt of my speech. I stand by my comments that I made on the House floor. I stood up for election integrity, and I challenged and objected to the certification of the state of Pennsylvania because of the unconstitutional overreach. So I absolutely stand by my floor speech. I am proud to support President Trump. And I want to correct another statement you made, that there is no coordination with Joe Biden and the Department of Justice and prosecutions against President Trump. We just saw Hunter Biden defy a congressional subpoena and the White House admitting it was in coordination with Joe Biden the morning of. That is coordination. And I believe that Joe Biden will be found to be the most corrupt president in our nation's history. And that's why all of the investigative work that we're doing is so, so important because the American people, they deserve transparency and accountability. Wow. Can, can, can you smell that? That's awesome. That's I love. Hair, I really like her. That was the hair on fire in the control room <laughs> at NBC wanting to cut her mic while she was spreading some truth on NBC mm-hmm. with Kristen Walker. Yeah. Kristen Walker wanted her to come out and be weak-kneed like a lot of them and apologize for uh, January her January 6th comments and, and criticize Donald Trump for referring to a lot of the people who've been persecuted over January 6th who didn't do anything wrong in terms of violence. How can you possibly get someone uh, convicted in a court of law? Why is it proper to convict somebody, even if it's of a trespassing charge, if on one side of the building it was the Capitol Police who opened the door and welcomed them in and was then fist bumping them as they went down the hallway? How do you justify that? I, none, nobody I know endorses violence. No, nobody thinks that the people on the other side of the building who were tearing down barricades and assaulting police officers shouldn't have been held accountable for that. Nobody I know thinks that. But they've gone too far, and it's pissing off the American people. And And I've become a bigger and bigger fan of Elise Stefanik for, for being willing to stand up to these bullies in the mainstream media who want you to kowtow, including this bite, uh, which I didn't get to earlier. Listen to this. Would you vote to certify and will you vote to certify the results of the 2024 election, no matter what they show? Well, I voted not to certify the state of Pennsylvania because, as we saw in Pennsylvania and other states across the country, that there was unconstitutional acts circumventing the state legislature and unilaterally changing election law. What about 2024? What about 2024? We will see if this is a legal and valid election. What we're seeing so far is that Democrats are so desperate, they're trying to remove President Trump from the ballot. That is a suppression of the American people. And the Supreme Court is taking that case up in February. That should be a nine to zero to allow President Trump to uh, appear on the ballot because that's the American people's decision to make yeah, this and that, and that And that wasn't good enough with um, Elise, uh, w- with uh, Christian Welker. That answer wasn't good enough. Well, what do you mean? How could you, how could you dare say you wouldn't automatically uh, vote to to rubber stamp another election. She should flip the question back on her. If you were in my seat, you're a congresswoman, and you feel like it was unfair against, say, Joe Biden, are you telling me you would just absolutely sit here right now before the elections even happen and say, yes, I would certify it? No. No, No, of course not. No, you wouldn't. No. This is part of the bite I played here at the very top of the show. Listen again as Stefanik just 
absolutely reads her the riot act here. I love Just this. Just to be very clear, I don't hear you committed to certifying the election results. Will you only commit to certify the results if, if former President Trump wins? If they, Does that mean if former President Trump no, wins? No, it means if they are constitutional. So, so this is the deal about January 6th, and, they, and Joe Biden just held his big, his big um, hearing or his speech where he tried to condemn once again anybody that supported Donald Trump as being an insurrectionist and all this garbage. January 6th is the day in the Constitution where you're allowed to go and question the slates of electors sent in from various states. That is the issue that drew people to January to to Washington on January 6th of 2021. They wanted their elected officials to stand up and question these slates of electors in states where questions needed to be asked, questions I'll point out that still haven't been answered. And yet people like Kristen Welker expect elected representatives to go up and rubber stamp those results. That's not how this works. What we saw in 2020 was unconstitutional circumventing of the of the Constitution, not going through state legislatures when it comes to changing election law. And we're seeing this in my home state of New York, Kristen. We are seeing Democrats try to steal the election and illegally gerrymander congressional districts that we fairly won and are fair aligned. So I see this at a very local level, as well as the unconstitutional overreach we saw at the national level I, in 2020. Wow. wow. Uh, uh, more applause, please, for Elise Stefanik, because I I just I can't I can't say enough about how much I loved watching her stand up to the bullies in the mainstream media. In that case, Kristen Welker of NBC News. A quick break here. When we come back, Jared Halpern's going to join us from Fox News Radio. He's been covering the story about Lloyd Austin as the tales continue to grow as to why he was suddenly absent and nobody knew it. We'll be back in just a minute. There's still a lot that we don't know about his medical condition and what it was that uh, required him to go back into uh, Walter Reed and the ICU uh, on uh, 1 January. And it is possible that his health condition or his medical condition uh, clouded his judgment at that time. I don't know whether or not he was under certain types of medication or whatever else. Uh, and so that could have been the reason why he decided not to, to notify people as he should have. Yeah, and, the, and the, the tale seems to keep changing a little bit. We've learned a little more from the Pentagon. And Jared Halperin from Fox News Radio has been covering this story this morning. Jared, how are you? I am well. Good morning. Good morning to you. Uh, what are we learning now? Did I hear something about his chief of staff might have had the flu, and that's the reason this didn't yeah. get reported soon enough? <laughs> Well, I don't think we know exactly why it didn't get reported soon enough. That that will certainly be something that members of Congress want to know. What was the decision-making process? What was the chain of command? Was somebody supposed to tell somebody and they didn't? And, and that's how all of this got started. Um, the reality of the situation is that it is a serious matter when the defense secretary um, is in the hospital and the president of the United States does not know that. Um, obviously, the defense secretary is a major player, uh, a major advisor to any president, um, if there is a crisis. And right now, the United States military is uh, in positions where, where there could be crises. We've seen those uh, develop over just the last few weeks, right? And in fact, uh, before the hospitalization on January 1st, President Biden and Lloyd Austin had greenlit a uh, airstrike operation that was carried out a few days later by the U.S. military. So again, it just shows that the seriousness of of the situation, um, whether or not the decision not to tell anybody was made by Lloyd Austin or somebody else, I think is going to be part of what Congress especially wants to find out. 
The other thing that we have learned is that so far, uh, there are no plans here at the White House for any change in leadership at the Pentagon, that the president remains satisfied with um, the responsibility that Lloyd Austin took when he put out that statement, remains confident in his counsel and is not asking for a resignation. Yeah, that was my question, Jared. I mean, really, is anything going to happen because people are calling for his resignation or saying, you need, yeah. you know, Biden should fire him. But nothing more can happen, it sounds like, if Biden's saying, yep, I'm happy with the job he's doing. I mean, listen, right now, the, the, the defense secretary, we believe, is still in the hospital. He's out of the ICU, has full uh, capabilities as the defense secretary. He's at Walter Reed, so it's pretty easy to do that, right? That's the hospital that the president would go to. So they have the ability to, to have, you know, the secure lines, all of that, right? That That's not what's at play. But again, it speaks to who was responsible for this not reaching the National Security Council, the National Security Advisor, and the President of the United States. And, you know, Lloyd Austin, the President, spoke uh, on Saturday, the two of them did. Um, And yesterday we were told by uh, not just the White House, but by the National Security Council as well, both Corrine Jean-Pierre and uh, John Kirby uh, said very similar things, that, that the President remains confident in the ability of uh, Lloyd Austin to, to remain in that job. And we'll see how long that, that may continue. And we'll see if we learn more about these health conditions. Recall this started actually before Christmas. Lloyd Austin um, had a medical procedure. We're told it was a uh, an elective procedure. Apparently complications from that escalated on New Year's Day. An ambulance took him to the ICU at Walter Reed. Um, and, and it was not until the 4th of January that, that the president was informed, the 5th on Friday, that the public was informed. You know, I was just thinking about that. What if um, October 7th hadn't had happened October 7th, but had happened, you know, January 2nd? And suddenly the president sure. and the secretary of state are calling around for the defense secretary and nobody knows where he is. I mean, that, that's an amazing yeah. possibility. It is. That could happen. The deputy defense secretary would have had full control. But again, you have to know that right? the president should know, hey, you know, something happens. uh, Give the deputy a call, not not the secretary. Right. And I think you're you're absolutely right. It shows that things happen around the world on a moment's notice. Right. What what the old the old adage about the the, the 3 a.m. phone call the president did. Right. Yeah. That is true for defense secretaries as well. Um, And so um, that is why I think you're seeing in Congress, both Republicans and Democrats, that the chairman of the House and and the top Democrats on the Armed Services Committee said, we need answers to this. And I think you're probably going to see that happen over the next few weeks. Jared Halpern, thanks for your reporting. We appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Take care. Yep. Appreciate that. Uh, Jared Halpern, Fox News Radio there. Coming up, we'll talk to State Representative Adam Schnelting, who wants you to be able to defend yourself when you're on public transit, we'll be back in just a minute. And they also need to probably have more security, you know, moving around instead of just sitting inside, say, at the Belmont Metro Station. According to data from Metro, documented incidents by Metro Task Force Enforcement continue to increase. The number for this year is on pace to double 2020 incidents. We're able to see a lot more things and, and intervene and a lot more things than we used to be able to do. Uh, uh, that is a report that was on Channel 4 recently about uh, Metrolink uh, crime numbers that seemed to jump dramatically. We had uh, we had the chief on there from Metro who said that's because they're doing more proactive policing. Uh, but regardless, uh, perception is reality. How do you feel about 
riding on public transit, whether it's the train or a bus or whatever the case happens to be. And are do you feel unsafe? Well, uh, my, I have State Representative Adam Schnelting on the phone right now from District 69. Adam, welcome back. How are you? Hey, good morning. Uh, good morning, Mark. I'm, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. My, my pleasure. You've reached out to me because you have, are going to be introducing your uh, CCW on public transit bill today, right? That's right. That's right. We have a hearing today in the General Laws Committee for House Bill 1708. Uh, and House Bill 1708, Mark, you probably, I think we've talked about on your show before, it allows the uh, CCW holder to carry a firearm upon, uh, upon uh, public transportation. Uh, we've done some, some, we've made some alterations to the bill, and this year we we uh, we have added uh, uh, carry in uh, houses of worship as well, uh, which we can talk about. But uh, essentially, it's a it's a bill that reinforces your ability to uh, to defend yourself and, and those you love. You know, it seems like such common sense, but it didn't make it through last year. I mean, you I think you got it passed through the House, didn't you? But it didn't make it through the Senate. Did it freshen my memory up here. That's right. That's right. We've we've passed it out of the House. For the last uh, three sessions, three three years in a row, and uh, it usually goes to the Senate and di- to die. So, Mark, the, the Senate is quite a swamp, and and uh, you know some of these public transportation companies, uh, organizations rather have a uh, they've got a powerful lobby, and uh, they do a good job at killing this bill. And there's a thousand different ways that you can kill a bill, uh, and uh, and they usually get it accomplished in the Senate. But we're hopeful that this year we're we're going to be able to to, to push it a, a past the line. And, you know, going back a moment, Mark, you were talking a moment ago about uh, do people feel safe on Metrolink? Well, it was the Metrolink's uh, commissioner or, or uh, by State Development Agency's commissioner that had said that uh, he said, and I quote, this is from uh, an article on Fox 2 published uh, September 19th this year. He says, everybody I talk to does not feel safe yet. Well, that's right. People don't feel safe. I mean, there's a, there's a crime problem. The problem is uh, oftentimes the, the reason why people don't want to allow CCW holders to carry aboard public transit is because they feel it'll make people unsafe. Well, the reality, <laughs> Mark, is people are already unsafe. Yeah. We need to correct that. Adam, I don't understand that logic at all. Representative, this is Kim. I, I just think it's laughable because I know Metro Transit just made this decision to get rid of the ads on the outsides of the buses and the train to make it more aesthetically pleasing because they think that's deterring <laughs> riders. Like, no, it's because people don't feel safe. At the, hi, Kim. Absolutely. And you know what? Uh, the commissioner had mentioned that he wants to rearm their security guards, which is a novel idea. Essentially, what he's saying is we're going to deter and discourage crime and violent behavior by putting good guys with guns on our buses. Well, why don't we allow Missourians to defend themselves and and discourage criminal activity on our our public transportation system by allowing lawful CC, lawfully uh, CCW holders, people who are trained, mind you, with a CCW, to carry aboard public transit? Uh, it doesn't make sense to me why they continue. Uh, to oppose the effort. No, because it's not like you're saying that we're an open carry state. It's not like you're saying you can carry without any training. You have to have gone through the process, gotten the background check, gotten your concealed carry license, and then you're okay to carry. I mean, that that's that's an argument that defies logic in so many different ways when people say that. But Adam, tell me, you said you expanded it a bit this year. 
We did. Uh, well, and, and actually, we uh, to be very clear, we have done this for the last uh, at least two, I want to say three years in a row now, we have added the uh, houses of worship uh, portion to the to the language. So essentially right now, what the legislature did years ago is we created these no gun, uh, gun these gun free zones. And when we did, we didn't ask certain sectors of society. We didn't ask the faith community and get their consent. We just simply put them on this restricted list. Well, what the bill does is it also opens it removes that uh, that gun churches for, as a gun free zones, and it leaves the decision up to the local churches and parishes and mosques and temples. And it says, hey, look, if you don't want someone to carry on your property, that that's up to you. Uh, but this removes them from the gun-free zone so that someone can carry, unless, of course, the church decides, hey, we, we don't want that here. Well, most churches that I know have an armed guard somewhere on the property anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah, oftentimes that's the case. You know, when I was when I was pastoring, Mark, I, uh, I carried myself uh, yeah. when, when I would preach on Sundays. I mean, the reality is, I mean, as a, as a pastor, oftentimes you want to protect your flock, and sometimes that means— you, from physical danger as well. Sure. Um, and, you know, there are differences of opinion on this. Some are for that, you know, for that portion, some are against. But the reality is giving it back to the churches and letting them decide is the right thing to do. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great point. You know, I it's, it's why we need more common sense over there on the Senate side, because that's where this thing gets plugged up all the time. Is that one of the things that motivated you to run for the Senate? Because you're running for Bill Eigel's seat that he'll be vacating, correct? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and absolutely. Look, we we have got to have common sense legislation get through the Senate. We have to have conservative reforms get through the Senate. We see too often where we we see this uh, this this uh, a swath of lobbyist uh, priorities get through the legislature or get through the Senate and end up being rubber stamped uh, through the House as well. And what what our people are demanding of us, Mark, is. They're demanding that we stick to our party platform. They're demanding that we stick to the conservative pr- principles and values that we espoused when we were on the campaign trail. I've been fighting for this uh, CCW uh, on public transit for five years, or I guess six sessions now, since my very first session in, in the House of Representatives. So, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to continue that work in the Senate. That's my goal. And remember that we do have a super majority of Republicans in Jeff City, and we can't get something this common sense past. That's maddening to me. Absolutely. It's unacceptable, quite yeah. frankly. It's just unacceptable, Mark. Yeah. You know, Adam, I I, um, I just want to bring this up because I haven't talked about it yet this week, but I know that as somebody that I've seen at many events out there in St. Charles County, you were, I'm sure, good friends with Brenda Webb. We lost her uh, tragically this very week, I believe. She was so yeah. actively involved in in everything at the grassroots level uh, in in St. Charles County, uh, uh, j- just what a what yes. a tragic loss. No, you're absolutely right. Look, I uh, I have I had known Brenda for over ten years, and uh, she was an ardent patriot. I mean, she she was uh, she was active consistently for conservative causes, and um, uh, you know she was she was opinionated. And she she would always tell you where she stood, even if it made you mad. And she was the kind of individual we need in, in politics. And so, yeah, she will she will definitely be dearly missed. Absolutely. We lost her on that January 5th, just uh, just a few days ago. Adam Schnelting, uh, state representative there in District 69, candidate for uh, the Senate in this next year. My friend, good luck with that bill. Keep us up to date, please. I sure will. Hey, thanks, Mark. Thank you, Ken. 
Have a great day. Absolutely. Yep. Good. Uh, good getting them on here. Boy, that again, a super majority of Republicans. We control both houses. They can do anything they want. And and they didn't not pass this because of fear that it would be filibustered by the minority. And in, in the, they can't get it passed because of lobbyists in Jefferson City mm-hmm. who, who've got a, a vice grip on, you know, the short hairs of too many senators in Missouri, clearly. Yep. yep. Uh, right. Bought I, and paid for. Bought and paid for. It's, mm-hmm. it's just a shame. And that's part of the uh, turnover and why we need more people like uh, Adam Schnelting over there on the Senate side, for sure. All right. Quick break. We're going to be back in just a minute. All right. Uh, welcome back. Carl is telling me that um, it is Dave Matthews' birthday today, hence the Dave Matthews band there. 57 years old? Yep. Wow. Kim feels old on that one. Yeah, because that was the go-to band for my high school. I mean, I've seen them in concert at least once or twice, and that was like the cool thing to do was to be a Dave Matthews band I fan. I was never a fan, really. Good guitar player. Yeah, but I'm just, it's not my thing. You've got some catchy songs. He Mark's not a jam band guy. You like the screaming? <laughs> screaming? Oh. Wow. Oh, my God. I'm I sound like sorry, my wife. Sorry, you like Sammy That's Hagar. That's noise. That's it is, noise. It is not sometimes noise. noise. It's fantastic stuff. It's motivational. Screaming? Again, Sammy's Dave, got a really good voice, by the way. What's that? Dave Matthews looked 57 30 years ago. He always looked Yeah, old. he always looked older. I was surprised that he's younger than me. I looked at it and I'm like, what? Oh, boy. Uh, by the way, shout out to, uh, to all of my uh, law enforcement friends out there. Today is National Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. <laughs> I don't keep up with these days because there's a different one every day. But then somebody pointed that out on the Facebook page. And thank you for doing that. Today is National Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. And um, it's it's apparently every year on January 9th, I'm sure. And since I don't have a calendar that shows me these things every day, I just don't pay a whole lot of attention to them. I appreciate law enforcement every day. So I don't need one day of the year to do it. We, we do it the whole month of November and uh, other times throughout the course of the year, whenever we can and however we can help out. So uh, thanks to uh, to all of you out there, um, the, the men and women who who serve uh, in law enforcement. We appreciate you. Thank you. Which is why we had Adam Schnelting on here talking about concealed carry on Metro and and all of that good stuff. You have to keep people's eye on the ball and about what's important. In this silliness, I remember when concealed carry was being debated in this state. Going, I was at a golf tournament and I got paired up with a, with a lawyer I'd never didn't know the guy, a lawyer I never met before, who was flat out convinced that if law-abiding citizens had an opportunity to have a background check, take an eight-hour training course, tie up their weekend to go take an eight-hour training course, and could then carry a weapon concealed on their body somewhere. That it would, would literally be the Wild West in Missouri. That there would be shootouts in the street. It would be the OK Corral. Uh, people would get mad at each other on the highway and just take pot shots at each other. And I'm like, you have no evidence of that. Look at Florida. They've had it for they had it for a while at that point. And you 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 had people in this state that were just convinced that's what what would happen. And today you have people convinced that 
Any any gun is a bad gun. Well, mm-hmm. guns are inanimate objects. They're only bad in the hands of people that want to do something bad with them, mm-hmm. like somebody who gets in a van and drives it to the middle of a Christmas celebration or a parade. It's not the car's fault. For goodness sake, have a little bit of common sense. The people that carry concealed around you might just save your life someday, um, for better or for worse, I mean, depending on how far left you are, I guess. I, I, I'm just saying that those individuals, you're going to be happy one of these days that somebody near you had the the advanced thought process to go out and learn how to defend themselves. And it's just when I hear these conversations that, well, we don't want weapons and houses of worship. Well, what about all the houses of worship that have been shot up by maniacs who came in and saw a soft target because they mm-hmm. knew it was a place that was a gun-free zone. I love knowing that people are armed at my church. I feel safer because you Same just you never know. And think about this. We talk about soft targets. D- does anyone go shoot up a um, an airport? Nope. Why? Now, why would you say that, Mark? Why do you think that is? And hmm. <laughs> there was a story last week about the sharp increase in the number of guns detected at, at uh, airports across the country. Well, not because anybody was trying to sneak a gun onto a plane, because if that was the story, the story would have been sharp increase in the number of terrorists arrested for trying to hijack planes. That wasn't the story. It was people who simply forgot they had it in their briefcase or whatever, right. and they and they get to security, and then it gets it gets taken away from them, or they get told they have to go put it in their car, and then they get fined five thousand dollars by TSA. So the mainstream media has its own narrative. You just always have to remember that when you when you read those stories. Um, that's just what they do, folks, and that's why we're here to keep you on the straight and narrow. So don't you worry. All right. That's going to do it for us. Brian Kilmeade will be along here in just a couple of minutes. I'm sure they'll be talking more about that town hall tomorrow night with uh, President Trump that Fox is going to host. And then Annie Fry and Mark Reardon after that. Kim and I will be back here at 5 a.m. tomorrow morning. We'll see you then. Get more at 971talk.com.